0: Hey everyone, this is George Soto and you're watching Startups Unedited. This week we're actually interviewing a gentleman by the name of Patrick Bet-David, who is the CEO and founder of the PHP Agency, which is an insurance marketing organization. And he's been doing it since he was 30. I think what's super interesting about Patrick is that he's actually an, uh, an immigrant from Iran who at a young age, w- during the revolution in Iran, went to a refugee camp in Germany. You think about adversity and how to overcome these sorts of uh, very challenging moments. I mean, that's certainly insane. When he was 12 years old, immigrated to the United States. In any case, he has an incredible story. Check out the interview that I had with Patrick. Hey everyone, this is George Soto with Soto Ventures. Hope all is well. Today, I'm with Patrick Bet-David. Now, Patrick, you're a leader in the community. You own PHP, which is an agency that focuses on marketing for insurance companies. Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I know I reached out, and uh, I talked to your staff, and I was like, I really want to get Patrick on the show, so I really appreciate you taking the time this morning.
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. Looking forward to it.
0: Fantastic. Well, if you don't mind, just maybe providing a quick background on yourself. I mean, you have an incredible story coming from Iran when you were young, serving for the U.S. military, being a Syrian entrepreneur. Uh, But if you wanted to just take a quick second, just kind of give a quick intro
1: on yourself. Absolutely. I'm a revolution baby. So I was born in Iran in 78. Uh, we escaped six weeks after Khomeini died. That was June 3rd, 89, when he died. We left six weeks later to a refugee camp in Germany, lived there for about a year and a half, and then came to the States, joined the Army. And after the Army, I got into financial services with Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, and then uh, uh, started PHB Agency October of 2009 with about 66 agents. And now we're at about 2,100 agents in 38 states. So it's been a, it's been a fun, wild ride.
0: That's awesome. When did you know, when was that like Eureka moment that you were like, you know what, I'm an entrepreneur, um, I just, this is my path.
1: Did you have that moment for yourself? You know, I don't know if it's a Eureka moment. I think, I think what I learned, here's what I learned. Um, I learned we have a lot more survival tendencies inside of us than we even know. But sometimes our backs uh, need to be against the wall for us to find that out about ourselves, and I think, unfortunately, it doesn't happen to uh, too many of us too often because I was having a conversation yesterday with one of my staff members. I said, listen, let me ask you a question. I said, what are you going to do if you lost everything you had, your wife left you, this company went out of business, you don't have an income, you don't have a penny to your if you lose your job, what are you going to do? I said, would you go a day without water? He says, no. I said, would you go a day without food? I said, he says, no. I said, why not? You don't have anything. What would you do? You have no credit. You have nothing. He said, I would figure out a way. I said, What does that mean? You would figure out a way. Give me steps. It's that day. What are you going to do? And he said, Then he started thinking. He started thinking, He says, Well, um, if I get a job and it's W 2, that means I'm not going to get paid for two weeks. So the only way I'm going to make money today is for me to go out and work a cash business or for me to go out there and find a way to sell something to make money. Then he started really processing it, right? During his processing, I said whatever you just said, those are entrepreneur habits. So you already have it but applying it is the challenge. When I was in Germany, it was 1989 when, when Nintendo announced their Super Nintendo uh, that was coming out. I don't know if you remember that or not. It was I the do, book. I do. I remember. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little book. older than I look. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you got the baby face, so they have the new Super Nintendo. <laughs> that's why I grow out. the hair. That's that's what helps you. With <laughs> yeah, exactly. Name. So, Super Nintendo's coming out. I'm living in this refugee camp, and there's this girl I really like, and her brother and I are friends, okay? So, I find that her brother likes the Nintendo system a lot. So, I said, i got to figure out a way to buy this Nintendo. I come from a broken up family, divorced. We don't have money. I mean, we're, we're living in a refugee camp, so I can't go to my mom and say, Mom, will you buy me a... 249 mark Super Nintendo video game. Should be, you know, you're out of your mind. So I went to the local swimming pool, okay? And at the local swimming pool, I asked the owner, I said, listen, you know, Germans drink a lot of beer. So I went around, I said, listen, you got so many beer bottles everywhere here. We need to figure something out and I wanna help you. He says, what do you mean? You wanna clean it up? I said, I'll clean it up if you give me something for it. He says, I'll give you a nickel, five in German, I'll give you a nickel per each beer bottle, you turn back into me." I said, no problem. So I did the numbers, I needed to do about 5,000 beer bottles to be able to get my Super Nintendo. Well, a month later, I gave him 5,000 beer bottles. I got the money and then I went to Kaufhof and I bought the video game and I brought it back to the refugee camp. And let's just say the next year and a half, I was dating that guy's sister for a year and a half while he was playing with the Super Nintendo. Ended up becoming a very good friend of mine. But what that made me realize is, what that made me realize is, if I can do that for a month to make two forty-nine, what if the price point was fifty cents? That means I could make twenty-five hundred bucks. What if the price point was five dollars? That means I can make twenty-five thousand dollars. What if the price point is fifty bucks? I can make two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, you know, entrepreneurship—it's—it's it's, to me—it's all about what lens you view the world from, right? I mean, a musician looks at the world with tunes. When we're driving, he listens to the sound of a car in a different way than you and I listen to the sound of a car. A musician will go to a restaurant and talk to you, but in his brain, he's trying to find a tune of the Italian song that's playing in this Italian restaurant. An entrepreneur views the world through angles, through math, through numbers. Everything is numbers. Everything is a formula. And when you start really tapping into that, you'll realize a lot more people have entrepreneur tendencies than they really think they do.
0: So that... That actually leads to my next question: Are there certain characteristics that just we have as entrepreneurs that maybe the the nine to fivers, the career nine to fivers, who at least at 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 the surface seem happy with that you know that choice in their in their life? Is it does the nine to fiver not have the ability to? you know, to to look at the world in, in the way that you just described numbers and opportunity and these sorts of things, um, you know, so that, yeah, the, 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 do they just not have that?
1: I don't know if they don't have that because, uh, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. You know, last year I bought an RV and I wrapped the RV uh, titled Startup Entrepreneur Tour. And in June and July, I lived in it for 30 days. I went from L.A. to Arizona to New Mexico to Dallas to New Orleans to Jacksonville to Miami, Chicago, Toronto, New York. I spoke in all over the place, 10,000 miles. We drove around just talking entrepreneurship and it was called the Startup Entrepreneur Tour. And a part of my talk is on YouTube called DNA of an Entrepreneur, you'll see it if you go up and look at it. And the whole thing is about getting really into details, about 26 minutes long, uh, into the DNA of an entrepreneur. Like I said earlier, you know, I look at my kids, um, I'll just give you a report, I'm about to do this video and you'll be the first to get the content on this. I look at my kids and I look at I got a two-year-old and I got a four-year and I got one on the way. I look at my kids and I see how creative they are. I just sit there and I said, Man, that is very creative on how he climbed up that thing to get the Nutella, right? You know, man, that was so creative on the other day. The car is stuck under the couch, okay? And I want to know how they're going to solve it. Typically, I would go get the car for them, right? So these guys are trying to reach with their arms, with their feet. It's not happening. I'm just trying to see what they're going to do. Then they go in the kitchen. They pull out a knife, not the strong knives, the ones, the butter knives. And they go down and they pull it out with that. It doesn't happen. Then they go get one of the spatula. It doesn't happen. Then they go get the broom. But they eventually figured out a way to get the car out themselves. And with this study that was done in 1968, Uh, George, this is a great study for you to to read up on. It's by George Lant in 68. He studied 1,600 children ages 3 to 5, which eventually ended up becoming a creativity test for NASA. On what happens with our creativity test as we age, at 5 years old, they scored 98% in the creativity uh, uh, percentile. At 10 years old, that 98% drops to 30%. Hmm. At 15 years old, it's 12%. As an adult at 30 years old, over 280,000 studies. 2%. 2%. What wow. does this tell you and I? I you know, I think what eventually happens to us is we are so we are so much put in a box on how to solve problems and how to process issues because we're so embarrassed with our mother or father or friend or sister or ex our girlfriend or you know, husband or wife or best friend, or we're so afraid of what everybody's going to be thinking about, so we shut down our creativity mode. Oh, shit, what if I do the wrong thing? Then what's going to happen, right? Oh, my God, what if I'm... So then we don't try no more. Then we shut down. Then we pretty much just kind of are around for 50 years. Then we die. and We become one generational type leaders. And a generation later, nobody knows anything about the great-great-grandpa. Nobody does. Maybe you know... for, If I ask you right now, tell me about your great-great-grandpa, you may not know a lot about him. If I ask you, tell me about your great-great-grandma, you may not know a lot about her. I don't. I never met him. But someone in that family is going to say, I'm going to leave my mark where my great-great-great-grandkids are going to know who I am. Someone's going to do that. Vanderbilt did that. Gates are going to be remembered. Rockefellers are going to be remembered. Washington, Adams, Churchill. You go down the list, these guys are going to be remembered because somebody wanted to do that. And I think it's purely about... You tap into your creativity, and it brings out a side of you that maybe you've never seen before, and that fire in your belly is what makes you want to take action. So I think everybody has it, but unfortunately, if you don't use it for a very, very long time, it diminishes, and then you got to bring it out again by being in the right environment for that to come out again. But it could be a process, but I believe everybody has it in them.
0: You know, that really, really rings a bell for me. I remember I was an undergrad in college at Florida State, and I met a venture capitalist who introduced me to this whole idea of building businesses. And at the time, I was pursuing a a career in psychology because I wanted to help adolescent teens, and uh, my father's a psychologist entrepreneur. And I remember sitting down, and he introducing this idea of building a wireless internet uh, startup, and of course I had no idea I wasn't an engineer. I was not did not grow up in Silicon Valley. I grew up in Miami in a, you know in a different environment. We were uh, more interested in going to the beach and you know dating and going to the clubs than how do we build stuff. And for me I remember when there was a eureka moment for me where I said, "Oh my gosh, I could actually build empires if I wanted to." I could you know and, and all I had to do was w- be willing to pay the price. And, and then, you know, I ended up pursuing a career doing door-to-door sales for a while while I was, that's how I paid for college. and And I remember just getting a bag. They would give me a bag. I was an independent contractor, so there was nothing guaranteed. And I just kind of believed in my ability to be like, all right, well, I don't care if they – slam the door on my face, I'm gonna to continue to, to go. And I remember that first summer, I, I I made like 20 grand. and I didn't have to work the rest of the rest of the year. And I paid like a thousand bucks in taxes or something. Right. So um and and that was that moment for me. I go, wow, I could just literally you know have an empty bag ask people for like to cut checks to me and then come back six you know six weeks later and deliver these products and they trusted me. I saw the vision there. So You know, I think part of it was, and and thank you for saying that, you know, because part of that was me having to have confidence in my abilities and then not being scared of actually going ahead and doing it and then proving to myself that I could do something. And so, you know, that, so man, I I really love that. It just, you know, being able to maybe rewire our brains to say, you know what, we're not going to care what our friends say because as an entrepreneur, I personally, people think I'm insane all the time, right? Um, and, uh, but it's okay. I had to kind of abandon that, right? And 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 embrace the risk and the just the challenge of like, you know what, this is really hard, but I'm going to go for it. And it doesn't matter if I quote unquote fail or not. I think it's part of the process. Well, thank you for that. You know, I, I, I had a quick question around like, you know, when do you know, when is that like that moment where you're like, you know, you're, you're working at your job and you're sitting there or you're working at another company and you're like, man, I really want, I really do want to love what I'm doing right now, it's a great company, I have benefits, I have all these great things, you know, but you're just not fulfilled. And part of that is for whatever reason, maybe you've been sitting on this idea for a while, maybe it's uh, the fear of the unknown, when do you know, in your opinion, Patrick, that it's time to go and take the plunge?
1: I don't think you ever know. I, I don't think you ever know. I think it's like marriage. Um, you never know when to get married. Um, you know, you, you. I've seen. I'll give you an idea. I've seen. I've seen two people get married. I'll go to a wedding and I'll say, Oh my gosh, these guys were meant to be together. Six months later, they get a divorce. I've gone to a wedding and I've said, There's no way in the world these guys are going to be together. They're still together for 10 years and they're happy. I've seen two Christians get married and it doesn't work. I've seen a Christian and a Muslim get married and it works. I've seen an atheist get married to a Christian and it works. I've seen a, a black person marry a black person and it doesn't work. I've seen a white person marry a Middle Eastern person and it works. I mean, I can go on and on and on, and it's just there is not a 100% formula in marriage just like there's not a 100% formula in business. The only thing you have on your side is odds. That's all it is. You know, If you go mathematically and find the odds of what makes a marriage work uh, and how you marry somebody, etc., etc., that's the increase in chances like the way I got married was um, I went on a first day with my wife on December 29th of 07. The next day, you know that by the way, you got to show her this video. So she's like, Remember, then she sees it. She, she, she know because we've told the story a lot. December 29, 07, we're going on our first date. On December 30th, next day, I bought her a book called 101 Questions to Ask Before You Get Engaged, second date. And I told her, I said, I already know all the answers to this question. I said, I need you to have your answers to the question, and then we can get back together and go through because I have no desire to waste my time dating somebody week later we went through it, next thing you know, six hours later it sounds good, year and a half later we get married. That was literally it, right? Now, could this still not work out? Could there have been a likelihood of this not working? Out? Of course, um, but life is purely about odds. Everything about life is purely about odds. If you're a basketball player and you want to increase your odds of making a shot, you shoot a half court shot, a three-pointer free throw, or right by the bucket, right by the bucket. And as an entrepreneur, that's what it is, but I think the key is. Is is the exhilaration of your life? Which one do you want? Look, every every eighty years, seven billion people are replaced by seven billion new people. That's all there's to it. Very simple. Every eighty years, seven billion people are replaced by seven billion new people. But why is it that only a few of them end up making a difference in the world where everybody knows about? It? Well, because those few decided to take a risk. And whenever you take a risk, no matter how much of a calculated risk you take. There are some odds that it's not going to work out. So specific points to give you, you got to have some savings in place, especially if you're married with kids, you have responsibility for them. Uh, I suggest starting a business part-time. I think a lot of times people think you have to quit everything, start your business part-time. I don't think you do. I think you can start developing your idea part-time. I think you can start developing your business part-time. You know, I interviewed Steve Wozniak, founder of Apple, and when he and I were together, how did you guys start Apple? Part-time. He You know, Toshiba, Atari, they still had a job while they were doing this part-time. And the next, you know, they said six months later, 12 months later, hey, this guy from the shop places a big order. What about we do this full-time? Well, then Steve Weinstein didn't want to give up his job because he said, I had a great job with benefits. I don't want to give it up. And eventually he gave it up. They built Apple, and the rest is history. So, you know, for every one great story, there are a lot of stories of people who fail. And I think the reason why people who fail is – Is purely positioning and the way they got started. Either they went in and and got married the next day. It's kind of like, oh, I love you so much. Let's go to Vegas. You know what I'm saying? You know, versus saying, let's date. Let's go on a first date. Let me kind of see. Let's see how, okay, oh, this is good. Boom. Then I'm all in. Let's go make it happen. We can do something with this. I'm going to quit my job. I'm doing this full time. We just made six grand this month. What if we can make 60 grand? What if we can? Then it goes into that. But I don't think you can ever 100% No, I am fully ready to do it. In any major decision in life, you're never going to be 100%. There's always going to be part of it that's out, but it's about do you want to live that life and find out the unknown, or are you okay dying, never, ever finding out the unknown? That's the problem, and I like the unknown, and I think entrepreneurs who take that plunge, they also are curious about the unknown.
0: Well, thank you so much. For me, that sounds like I never want to ask what if. So I really appreciate it. Patrick, thank you so much. If we wanted to follow you on social media, uh, what's the best channel to, to follow you on?
1: You know, you can go on my website, PatrickBetDavid.com, PatrickBetDavid.com, or you can go on YouTube and type in PatrickBetDavid.com. I have a channel on YouTube called Valuetainment. We have hundreds of videos on there that are purely around entrepreneurship, um, about being a startup entrepreneur. I think that's how you found it with the with the word startup. And my main focus is the channel, one of the biggest compliments we get on the channel with the content we create is it's not just a motivational place. We talk about specific things on how to hold your people accountable. We talk about how to fire people, how to hire people, how to get, you know, loyal people on your side, how to, you know, uh, figure out if you're dating somebody that's not an entrepreneur and they don't know how entrepreneurs are wired. I have a video specifically for someone to watch. Uh, 15 Things You Should Know Before Dating an Entrepreneur. It's everything specific about entrepreneurship, so your audience would get a lot of value from it.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again. I hope to be able to chat with you soon, and have a wonderful day.
1: Excellent. Thanks for having me.